All right. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, everyone. I think it's been, I, I don't want to say a year, but it's been a, quite some months at this point since Brandon and Myra and myself have gone together. And uh, I'm super humbled and super grateful and appreciative of this uh, this panel coming together, particularly because uh, Myra's put together some proposals of topics of discussion that I think are going to be absolutely fantastic and uh, completely jokingly, no pressure, <laughs> Myra. But first and foremost, Myra, how are you today? And then we'll, of course, uh, we'll in introduce Brandon as well. Uh, doing super well. Very appreciative to be back in this space and this and be shared with your community and to talk about, you know, a topic that for me recently has been sort of revealing a lot, um, which is in the very context of how it works anyway, but that I had to like kind of kind of get there in and of itself. So I'm I'm really appreciative also to be sharing the conversation about it intellectually with both of you and to be sort of guiding the audience to a place of new awareness around around the concept. I'll keep it a mystery until I well, we'll keep it a cliffhanger until we get deeper into the conversation. Grateful for that. Grateful to have you. Of course, Mira, this is amazing. Dave, always a pleasure. And thank you, everybody out there for listening and being connected with us here. This is outstanding. This is a true opportunity for greater awareness and could not think of two greater people to be doing this with. So Mira, what, what are we chatting about here today? <laughs> So uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about that sort of has been like inherently subconsciously oriented to being something that is sort of like detrimental or in like the brainwashing zone for a lot of people is the concept of subliminality. Like, you know, especially for me, having come from that marketing background, I understand that people have learned how to use subliminality and how to work with what it means to understand uh, the subliminal intellect of the mind. And that so for most people that kind of go through their daily life that are being bombarded by those who have learned how to kind of force subliminality for the sake of marketing or for the sake of monetization, you know, selling products and things like that, that it sort of lost its more sublime and original intent. It was actually intended, you know, during uh, a lot of the Renaissance eras, philosophers and folks who worked in, in like the concepts of enlightenment worked a lot with the concept of subliminality and what it means to perceive from what is the subliminal mind, which is really the, the subconscious mind or that deeper level of intellect or intelligence that is available to us that is also really good for us to work with very intentionally because there is all sorts of sort of like genetically inborn knowledge within each of us that can be brought forward or sort of like uh, nourished by an intentional effort toward understanding the subliminal mind and what subliminality is. So that really, I just wanted to open the conversation with that because so many people, you know, especially people who think a lot about like the conspiracy theories and the conspiratorial realm, like there are people who have used it for, you know, malevolent means, quite honestly. Uh, for me, there's been an awareness that there are quite a few really wonderful, beautiful, spiritual, um, like uh, basically images or symbols that are intended to be a, a abstractly uh, sort of awakening to the mind that have been co-opted by people to use for, you know, kind of like hypersexualization within the marketplace, because they know that when they put you in a sexual mindset that you're more likely to be in a like, I require instant pleasure mindset, which means you're more likely to purchase a product. Um, you know, and that, that, that there is a co-opting of that sort of information, but that that isn't the true or more divine and spiritual nature of what subliminality and working with the, with the sublime uh, really is intended for. First of all, brilliant. I mean, because it, it's one of those topics that you don't think about, but of course, we're alchemizing everything. And so as these things get reintroduced to us with new awareness, this is one that's incredibly important. So I'm absolutely grateful that you brought this up, Dave. Dude. Well, let me just say first and foremost that I can I have about five different branches in my mind that I could right. take. So I, I, know, wanted, dude. I wanted to ask Brandon, if you wanted to uh, jump in first and, and perhaps even just pick one of those avenues, I think we're, we're all on the same page, like wavelength here. So and then I'll, I'll, I'll expand from there. 
It's the back door to the subconscious, and the subconscious runs everything. It makes complete sense that subliminal messaging, being subliminal, being things that you just slip under the radar there, would have been uh, used in this way with that energetic expression at the time period that we're coming out of now, I feel. You know, and perhaps this is what coming out of that fourth world that the Hopi talked about. You know, we're coming into this fifth with this great awareness now. And it's awarenesses like this, that subliminal messaging, just like anything. We, we think of the uh, predictive programming, right? It's, it's sort of a same, that's the same element here. It's the same energy. It's, the, it's just called something different or a way to manipulate the, the same thing. Uh, and it's, it's an interesting introspection into that it can be adapted just like anything else here. So first is the awareness of it, of course, which Mira, thank you for providing, because again, now I'm just elated with this uh, idea of just alchemizing the shit out of this, which is what we do with awareness now that we have it. Uh, and so now I'm thinking of all the, of course, of the examples, you know, you're, um, you're, you play the record backwards and it talks about uh, love and the devil, you know, um, all of these little one shot images in movies and commercials that say buy and obey and, you know, purchase and consume oh. and all these things, you know. We can talk about how the devil was supposed to be a woman and how the world would have been a better place if that had stayed in its goddess aspect energy as opposed to being too two men in the mind but yeah it's interesting <laughs> you say that because i'm of a, of a strong personal belief uh, just in my opinion that the divine feminine has had a very unfortunately a very substantial suppression in uh in oh, this yeah. in this reality or whatever we want to call it not just now but for, dare i say i mean again i'm not a historian but i would say certainly for hundreds of years and absolutely perhaps even for thousands but that's just that's just my opinion. So that is actually a large part of how the subliminality has been co-opted in a sort of, you know, whether it was a conscious or unconscious and uh, effect of malevolence, it has been in that, you know, what are we talking about? We're talking about subliminality, which is the subconscious from an awareness of what that is oriented to as far as the principalities of the creative process. It's understood that, that the subconscious is inherently feminine, you know, that this is not specifically geared toward oriented toward like biology which is one of the, you know, di dialectual subliminality is one of the more fascinating aspects of the human experience as far as perception is concerned, but that like the English language especially, you know, kind of gears us toward that dualism that makes subliminality less approachable unless you are super intentionally aware about it, but that it has everything to do with the, with the feminine. So the more your feminine aspect is suppressed, the more your subliminal awareness is suppressed. So it really has to do, you know, and there's an interesting chart that I plan on making, but that it's sort of actually fascinating to think about the brain in this way from a, from an aspect of sort of the structure of the psyche in that you have the two hemispheres that are sort of like, you know, on top of like next to each other. And those are masculine and feminine, not like biological gender, but masculine and feminine principalities, right. and then the conscious and the subconscious which is the below, the, the below and the above. So there's, of course, intersections and convergences. That's, you know, where the quaternion model of thought process comes from that also plays into a lot of these Enlightenment and Renaissance eras that is all about the subliminal mind and subliminality and revelation uh, and, and that mindset that philosophers work with. But yes, there absolutely has been, you know, especially when you look at uh like king's english version adaptations of the bible as what people sort of understand uh as biblical reference as opposed to you know even being willing to look at a more original text of the bible that's in aramaic and allowing subliminally inborn awarenesses to awaken within you as to what that means uh is you know it's basically about trusting the feminine intellect which is far less conscious, right? Like we're always so concerned with what do I think and, and how did I think it, which is all about that really hyper-masculinized conscious engagement instead of just, you know, we can talk about the concept of that within manifestation too, which is all about like, see the result and trust that your intuition will, will orient you to, to that on a daily basis, that you can like trust the instincts and, and intuition of your body to get you there as opposed to like having a super regimented plan uh, which is the more masculine mindset of consciousness, but that, yeah, there's, there's gotta be like basically a willingness to trust. So even a manifestation, okay. You know, let's say you want to see, um, the, the result of like winning a big award that you make the daily practice of 
seeing yourself at that standard podium holding the award and then like that's how you start your day and then you go about your day trusting that whatever your heart and intuition are guiding you toward are getting you there that they're keeping that that door open for you that you know that that is a way that you can intentionally work with subliminality or subconscious orientation with the mind for manifestation um but that you know subliminality is also about being open to the abstract nature of the mind that uh you know that deeper intellect so how the roots you know from the metaphor of a tree right the conscious mind is the top of the tree it's part of the tree that we see that's growing up uh out in the air that you can see all the branches and leaves but that tree can only grow as tall as its roots are deep you know that's one of the old uh Jungian sayings right that you gotta you know you gotta have roots that reach into hell and we can talk about how that was co-opted actually uh dialectually because hell or hella was a goddess who uh was uh the bridge for uh I think it was Gallic, Celtic, and uh, Nordic mythos was a sort of androgynine or androgynous goddess who was the bridge between the spiritual kingdom and the spiritual kingdom. Uh, I'm sorry, the spiritual kingdom and the, and like reality. So you know, again, a word that got co-opted. Uh, Devi being a word that in Sanskrit means goddess that is very uh, you know inherently connected clearly to the word devil that in the Bible is what masculinized right so these dialectual orientations matter because if both hemispheres of your brain are presumed at a subconscious construct level to be man and man you know i've i've come to the awareness that that is what you know when the bible talks about men not laying with men it was talking about the metaphor of psychology and the irony is that it created the very problem that it was speaking to it has nothing to do with whether or not someone's gay or like anything to do with that it has it's all to do with the psychology of okay for the simple act of believing that god and the devil are both man and if god and the devil are like the two hemispheres of your brain your conscious and, and subconscious there's only man thought happening that right. does not benefit us right. it doesn't open us to the spiritual and subliminal process of you know revelation or what it means to be a wholly realized uh transcendent being basically right well if i could say brandon did you want to jump in and then i only say this because everything myra that you've been saying i'm in full very strong agreement with and i want to be clear to the audience it's just my personal opinion but i take more of a physics perspective than correlate it so i as you've been speaking i've been listening tent uh, very avidly because i put together some little uh google powerpoint kind of thing to aid to add to what you're saying so um before i do that'll probably take me about five ten minutes to lay out so brandon did you want to jump in before yeah, absolutely. So I've uh, been very, um, very interested in this and thoughts just erasing. So Mira, thank you for the new awareness to integrate further. Uh, it excites me every time. And so thank you again. This is a gift. And that's why these particular ones, actually, this is uh, episode three, I believe, of our Intellectual Troublemakers series, which is why this is such a special nomenclature. Uh, and it's its own delineation because of this kind of stuff right here. Now, to the point. One of the things I find so fascinating about this, of course, is the idea of this pendulum swing um, over longer scales of time. And so what it feels like, and I don't disagree, that there has been um, sort of a, let's say, 300 years that we can say, okay, uh, at least 300 years that we can say that has been in an absolute uh, male-dominated, masculine um, hemisphere form. And the way that I was visualizing this whenever you were speaking about this mirror was just this tunnel of time that we go through this equilibrium uh, pendulum in the middle, and I need a, I need to get on board with Dave's uh, drawing idea so if I could draw this thing. But as you go, you sort of have the masculine and feminine divided equally on both halves, but it's more of the yin-yang, right, with it interlocking. But as you're tunneling through this thing, there seems to be also a cohesive, like, sort of collective swing that we encounter. Now, rather this environmental, you know, perhaps this is cued by the cycles of time, maybe comets come by, which is another fascinating thing that's been on my mind lately about dropping new water from other places with new information. Uh, we've got to get Elsa Dillon on to talk about this, by the way. That's a note. Um, and in, in this with you, Mira, because I want to hear you talk about that, too. But to, to this further is it seems, again, that this could be environmental. This could also be just triggered by us. It could be a simulation type of a thing where they're like, you know what, let's shift it to that direction for a little bit and see what pans out. And then our awareness of the juxtaposition within these microcosms as well of these beautiful examples that Mira's been using about these mini examples of how it's been utilized, how it's been also apprehended throughout time, but also within these greater swings of perhaps a an overarching energy that's supposed to be there again for that time period. It seems again from 
sort of a, I mean, evolutionarily, of course, an exploratory, but more of a simulated sort of a thing to where it's just like, let's see what happens, you know, if we shift the energy of the whole place this way and what little things pop out, what creeps in. Now, to a further point, there seems to be a pendulum. And again, I'm going to just say back about 300 years because of all the Tataria stuff. And let's just kind of put this in that framework. Now, I, again, we'll uh, reiterate what I, what I said here, which is that I don't disagree that the past 300 or so years have been very masculine swung. So we visualize this as a pendulum, masculine, masculine, masculine. We've had a lot of it, and it's, it's consciousness has evolved the way consciousness has evolved as a result of it, whatever that is. Now, if you think back to sort of Tatarian times with this energy, with these light and love and everything perpetuating out, and these star forts that we talk about on these series with just energy and glow and prosper, Maybe there's a side to that to where consciousness goes, yeah, that's all we've explored in that area, so we need to switch it up a little bit. What it feels like now that's coming back around is, again, sort of mimicked back to the Hopi's idea of this end of a world shifting into another, Aquarius happening, all of these shifts. Maybe this is the pendulum sort of going, okay, we've, we've experienced the extremes of that. Now let's see what a balanced, harmonious time period looks like to where we can take the integration of those time periods have Tatarian shit in places, but also be warriors in a garden to where we understand that maybe at this level of where we are consciously, perhaps there's something else out there that we're preparing ourselves for in a larger sense. Let's say again, I know I'm going here, guys. I'm, I'm, this is just, you got me on a stream here, Mira, that comets come in and things know about this. Maybe there's, again, this predictive programming element to get us ready for a, a bigger galactic picture that we play or a galactic role that we play in this whole thing but we couldn't get there until it at a microcosm for us there were things that were set in motion again this highly feminine time highly masculine time okay we now realize as a civilization and we're all coming out and being born into these worlds where parents are teaching hey uh you know there's a balanced perspective that we can take with this it's actually incredibly beneficial and we see nothing but benefits in and here are the historical examples of what extremes look like this feels like that time now also something you said uh mira and then I'll turn it over to you, Dave. Thank you guys for this. Uh, is this idea of the goddess Debbie? You know, devil also, you know, could be, it could be said, uh, what's its connection to divine? You know, because again, there's no difference, right? Because the devil is divine because it's playing this divine role in this counterbalance. So all of it etymology, etymologically can break down into, again, synonymous. Uh, and again, subliminally, though, it's, that's where it's deciphered. That's where you, it's decided for you what energy it wants you to perceive it at. And that's fascinating to me. So again, Mayor, thank you for that's that's just interesting. Uh, what do you guys think about all that? I did oh, you want to jump in? Did you no no please, Mira, if you want to jump in and then I'll I'll jump. So I think you'll appreciate this concept that was sort of a revelation to me yesterday, Brandon, expanding reality. <laughs> Is that Hello. you know, one of the older, what I am now understanding to have been kind of an accepted false notion of physics, actually is the concept of equal and opposite reactions. Mm, mm -hmm. That is inherently untrue. If we were always compressing or devolving as much as we were expanding and evolving, we wouldn't ever actually be expanding. So yeah, there is something to be said for the toroidal awareness of consciousness that is probably the, the toroidal field that human beings have been like encapsulated in as a point of awareness. There was a structure that was almost like a womb or an egg that we needed to be in, but that the reality of the totality of the consciousness that is like universality and, and God, creator, sort, you know, whatever, is always expanding, which means that technically forces are oppositional and exp exponential, right? And we see this even in conversation, right? Like if you're talking to someone, things reverberate back and they get bigger or louder, right? Uh, if you're, you know, look at uh, how even the mechanism of perception works, right? Uh, people who who take drugs, okay? What do you? The reaction to reality becomes oppositional and exponential, always. So it's sort of this like falsely ex accepted, subliminally understood, and overriding notion for human beings that is clearly false, right? Like even looking at, uh, you know, even looking at nature, right? A tree is uh, is expanding. It doesn't have, you know, it doesn't. It makes more than it contracts. Basically, it expands more than it contracts. Most of nature expands more than it contracts. Um, e even looking at reproductive arenas, right? When 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 any part of consciousness expands within reality, from a reproductive standpoint, it almost always makes more than what it what it was before. 
So it's sort of just this understanding also that God actually, the universality is slightly feminine leaning in that the feminine part of the psyche is the irrational mind. And that openness of irrationality is also inborn to us genetically as an understanding. Okay, so the average person genetically has, you get more from your mother genetically than you do from your father because of the time that you spend in her womb and the like the mitochondrial convergence that you have with her DNA that she also has with your DNA. But that for each of us, we are all slightly leaning toward the maternal. And it seems to be that that is the truth of the creative process also, that it's supposed to be slightly leaning that way so that it can be slightly more irrationally procreative, slightly more spiritually procreative. Whereas if we try to force the 50-50 aspect, not to say that that is an availability of consciousness that I, that I think some people will experience, but that that openness to an understanding that is dialectually removed from the obsession with gender being about biology and is more open to that concept of like that, that holy aware spiritual self that owns, okay, actually it's beneficial if I'm like 55% in my feminine or subliminal and spiritual aspect self and 45% of my masculine conscious self, which is true because the more you meditate, right? Being in meditation is something that's like returning to womb. That's maternal feminine energy as, as a psychic energy and awareness um, is, been, is where we're supposed to be. You know, there's been, but we like Brandon said, have been on that swing where it's been almost more like 55 or 60%, the masculine mind, the con like obsession with the exterior and consciousness. Um, but that from an even more an interesting standpoint, as far as the subliminality of uh, like dialectualism and, and, and linguistics as a subliminal force is this understanding of how belief system structures over these timeframes that, you know, we're talking about have dialectually defined the femininity or the feminine from a conscious masculine standpoint and perspective. And that, so we're in this new place of awareness where the feminine is in the state of the age of Aquarius, reinventing or inventing itself again from the feminine conception within us. You know, that, the, that when you look at things like, uh, you know, I'm taking, I, I just took a religious literacy course. I'm taking a, a gender and intersectionality course right now. That's really fascinating in this concept that's very specifically speaking to the dialectual perception and how basically gender roles and identities have been overly consciously defined by the masculine attribute within us as, as like across the human race and how women are now basically not not just women you no know, obviously women as the biological agents of that force being more oriented to it are opening up to what it means to reinvent or invent the understanding of what it means to be woman or feminine but that that is also so true becoming two for biological men that there's this understanding of one it's okay for me to have feminine aspects and attributes. I accept and nurture them. And then also, what does this mean for me as far as how I'm defining or, you know, subjecting women or feminine concepts of reality to an overly masculinized conscious perspective that needs to be willing to subject itself back to an awareness of, of what it means to reinvent that understanding. Well, if I could just say to the both of you, thank you so much, because it's just been like stairs. It's just been adding more and more steps to what I wanted to put together here. So let me just, I want to give a very special thank you to Myra, because this has been, talk about synchronicities. This is something that I've been researching and even discussing with my members on our group Zoom calls for, for months on end now, which there's a few different areas I want to go with, to, with here, but a couple things before I jump into all of that is the, I was having a conversation with a, a very good friend the other day and uh, to the, she, she's probably listening at the moment and you know who you are and thank you very much. We talked about this concept of linguistics with respects to how there's so much, um, in, in a material sense, there's so much research and development R&D money, whether military or private, going into linguistics. And we see, for example, that a lot of uh, professors in academia, not just in the, the West, but across the world, are very, very uh, renowned as, as linguists. And many people know why, but also many people don't. And a lot of that also has to do with the idea of how there are um, intelligence, uh, uh, we could say, groups and institutions that work with the universities to sort to understand this underlying subliminal, we could say, I, I would say, haptic sensation 
that seems to enable certain, uh, like you were saying, uh, Myra, certain thoughts that are subliminal, that are subtle, that only manifest within a particular context. And I, I appreciate you saying this idea of the jumping back and forth between, say, you know, 30 percent uh, uh, masculine and then 70 percent feminine, depending on the context of a, of a scenario or a situation. And please t tell me if I'm wrong about that, but uh, if I misunderstood, but it really uh, now I'll, I'll share my screen because it really brought me to this concept of a few different things. First off, the idea of asymmetry. If we were to view what you're discussing in a visual sense, particularly the right-hand side image, what we're seeing here is that depending on the context of a grander scenario, we, that even speaks to fractals, but depending on the context of such, you then adapt and adjust given the environment of your scenario and situation, given also not just the exter externalities of your environment, but even more importantly, the internalities of your environment. Now, one thing I want to mention for those that are interested in uh, in, in physics, this is something called uh, Bohmian mechanics, basically, or, you know, Bohmian decoherence in quantum uh, electrodynamics, which is that you, if you were to view yourself as the center of all, so to speak, which we can make a strong argument for that, but to put that aside for a moment, and you were to walk into a room, depending on the shape of the room, the physical materials in the room and all of that, your perception is subliminally perhaps some more conscious of it than others, but it is subliminally adjusting to the environment. And that can't be done with a, with a symmetric scenario. It's like trying to, you know, put a, a, a square peg in a round hole. It's not going to work. But if the square peg can begin like a jello to perturb itself, not just physically, the physicality is just a representation of, of, in my opinion, the mind and the soul and where Myra's going with all of this. But this also speaks to, if I may, um, Again, just to define the audience for those that are not familiar with haptic, relating to the not haptic technology, just the definition of haptic, relating to the sense of touch, in particular, relating to the perception and manipulation of objects using the senses of touch and proprioception. Now, what's interesting about this is that we seem to define certain things and create linguistic labels based on the haptic interactions we have, but only to a particular extent. And this takes me to the whole concept of the divine feminine being suppressed, uh, which I appreciate your your view on that as well Myra because it's this idea of you know uh, I was watching a presentation by uh, Dr. Hal Pudoff some months ago and uh, with our members and he had said at the end of his presentation um, he had found a way to successfully um, enable remote viewing for not just personal gain but to also help others he then uh, some business people high level business people uh, had approached him and said what's this all about and he told them what it was and they said well we don't believe in that stuff but you know during the business meetings we learn to trust our gut so what we're seeing there is a perfect example in my opinion of linguistic labeling creating a subliminal perception that enables this idea of oh well i accept this version but not that version are we not speaking of, in my opinion, very similar actions in that regard? So, for example, I don't, you know, I don't believe in remote viewing or anything parapsychology, but I, I learned, to, you know, in business, I rely on my gut at the end of the day. Well, are we not in perhaps saying the same thing linguistically? And I think there's much more of this with respect to the uh, suppre unfortunately suppressed feminine angle. And that's why I, I've very strongly lately been trying to pursue this concept of feeling. Now, if we look at something called a, a Markov blanket, uh, we see that in statistics and machine learning, when one wants to infer a random variable with a set of variables, usually a subset is enough, but such a subset that contains all the useful information in which the, the uh, we could say the sub variables are not useless they're actually useful maybe even more useful than the surface one you're observing right now we call that a markov blanket so this speaks to topology which then brings us to the idea of the mobius strip now what's interesting is that this was named of course after uh, august ferdinand mobius in 1858 but he found something interesting which is that if one in the mathematical models took the Mobius strip because they say, you know, based on 3D geometry and space-time science, this is technically not possible to bring to scale up. Uh, again, that's because we're assuming everything is flat. Well, when we look around, you know, when you're holding your phone, that's that's not flat. And not only that, but there's a haptic subliminal response to when you do things, when you touch things and all of that. So the point I'm trying to get at with this is he found that if you extended the math and the science to where you simply allowed a fourth dimension to occur, this concept of the Mobius strip 
the Markov blanket and all of this having to do with topology is in fact feasible in a mathematical and academic sense. Now, of course, this is when going back to, again, Myra's great, great example of, of uh, linguists uh, and subliminal linguistics and all of that. This is where, again, I'll perhaps I'll get a little conspiratorial here, where, again, the stigma of using language comes into play of no, 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 let let the scientists do what they do. And, and I'm not trying to take away from them, but this idea that there's a linguistic tunnel that's been set up so that, you know, for example, up until only a handful of years ago, uh, I mean, perhaps our parents' generation would not have thought of discuss having the discussions we have. To be fair, they didn't have the technology to enable it, but you see what I'm saying. Now, what's interesting about this is that if we look up membranes in particular, uh, regardless of what we're looking at here in the body, we find that same curve that Myra's speaking on that seems to speak to that unison of a toroidal, uh, we could say, configuration, not to say that is the end-all be-all in terms of, to Myra's point, but I find it very interesting. Not only do we see the fractalizations of tree branches and all of that, but if we were to in, take this at this image at the top here of the membranes and stack them over each other instead of looking at it as a laid out visual, in my opinion, we would have what we'd be looking at as a Markov blanket. So if we have a Markov blanket, how do we tap the subliminal or these, excuse me, the sub variables from the top one? Well, in my opinion, that has to do with feeling. We recently had a neuroscientist on who had said that, again, he said he goes, um, we've done a lot of placebo tests and biomedicine, all of that. And he goes, this whole thing of them dismissing the placebo effect is just your imagination. That's not scientific. That's not a scientifically justifiable explanation. Not when 65% of people in a test uh, are, are having the placebo effect. That's not even just like the example I gave with the businessmen speaking to Dr. Pudoff saying, oh, that, that's just quite honestly, we can talk about how the placebo effect has had a detrimental effect because of liability concern within the medical industry. Sure. It's not able to be as truly effective as it used to be. Right. Because right. it used to be that you were able to like, there's actually a really interesting book that I've read um, by a woman named Cecilia Bach, who speaks about this as like the morality of lying within medicine. But that, you know, one of the things that became an issue of morality and liability within uh, medical practice as far as the placebo effect was that you weren't, you were no longer allowed to outright lie to the effect of them even knowing that it was a placebo trial. And that that was, that was even far more effective than the effects of the placebo trial um, <laughs> medical trials that you're talking about now, because basically the option wasn't given. There wasn't an option for the mind to not believe. Yes. Right. Yes. And, and I... so, like, while there's an appreciation for the fact that you know it's it's important to uh, like to think about the morality of lying within spaces like medicine, you can see how it's had this detrimental effect because placebo effect trials, when doctors and and psychiatrists and psychologists were allowed to just outright lie and say and, and like not even put the put the concept of it being a placebo trial on the table for uh you know who was a part right. of the trial right i mean it was like 90 percent effectiveness so you know it just goes to show the power of the human mind in that regard too but that you know there's something to be said for like how we view trust or untrust in those arenas and how that can lead to something that becomes less effective. Um, but, I, right. but I completely like I completely agree with you in the sense Sorry, Mira, would you say less effective with respect to subliminal belief by dismissal? Because the option is made available. Right. The option right. of disbelief is made available. Whereas in the, the 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 precursory trials, that was not effectively available to the mind. There was no right. option given. The person wasn't sitting there go. Well, I wonder if I'm on the sugar pill or the real drug. It was just, I'm on the real drug. So this is what the military also speaks to in, in my area of, of where I hover around, uh, particularly military intelligence, when they say things like, we don't know what we don't know. You just yeah, don't simply, well, yeah. We, can, I, talk about, we the, can talk about the effectiveness of dissonance as a defense mechanism programming for the mind at a psyoptic level. I've worked with well, that. 
Wow. Well, with that, if if I may, just very quickly, I, the last couple things are just pictures here. If I could just add a side view of what what we'd be discussing here would be something like this in particular. If we were to view it in a more of a stacked fashion, what when I say it, I'm referring to experiences. I'm referring to thoughts, and to Myra's point, even more strongly to manifestations. Saying, for example, you want to create something, whether it is a a business or you want to improve yourself uh, mentally, physically, emotionally, all of that. It takes by definition what's called time, which seems to be the third factor within what we call the, the X and Y uh, Cartesian plane, that third factor, which we can argue as sort of the Z plane or the Z plane, tends to enable another element that is topological. And this also speaks directly to the concept of the black hole and Hawking radiation with the ER equals EPR, the Einstein-Rosenberg, uh, uh, Einstein, uh, excuse me, yeah, Rosenberg Bridge, in the sense of whether this is a spacecraft or whether this is a thought, we are seeing correlating subliminal correlations, but we are only experiencing the surface where the the spheres are. We are not experience, well, we forgive me, we are not to our knowledge consciously experiencing the connectivity in which occurs below now some people say hyperspace some people say the ether some people say you know um intuition it is of my humble view and i'm still i want to be very clear to you guys in the audience that i myself am still learning and my opinions will certainly change as more research comes my way um it is of my humble view that we are in fact tapping that if we were to look at this in a cartesian plane uh one the left circle would be the x plane the right circle would be the y plane and the curve underneath would be the the, the Z plane adding a sort of uh, what, what would be called in my line of work, a third time derivative that enables what's called a, a sort of a phase kinetic resonance where you can both feel slash see neither both, but also both simultaneously an experience of what may come, what may not come. This goes into, of course, the work of um, uh, this concept of closing the loop neurologically, which also manifests itself chemically in the mind, in the brain rather as well in a neuroplastic sense. And to finally sort of wrap this all up, we see this reminiscent within um, Myra's concept of, again, if we were to view this in a literal visual regard, only one half of the circle is being correlated which unfortunately in my opinion I, I mean well is the is the masculine but where is the other half in again if we were to take that in a more visual literal sense uh with respects to the correlation of the divine feminine and the completion of such so uh that was my little spiel and and wherever whichever direction you guys want to take it I'm all for so there's a couple of different aspects that we can talk about especially in regard to time but the one and like perme permeability because a lot of the images you showed really speak to a subliminal awareness of the fractal nature of nature itself as that deeper intellectual uh, engagement for us. So, you know, what you showed is basically how thought pattern as energy is planted like a seed into the subconscious and then grows roots. Okay. For any plant, what has to have, where does it have to, what direction does it have to grow in first before it can grow? Right. So that you're absolutely correct. In, in that, okay? So for our desires to be manifest, okay? Gotta let them sink in. You gotta let them be nurtured. You gotta let, like, that is, if you look even at the concept of, of plant care, that is the more maternal or feminine aspect of approach to even a thought pattern as its first and foremost experience of time, just as it would be for a child. Okay, what is the child experience first? Mother, womb, right? So it's not, again, this is to help people kind of dialectually disengage from like the, the egoism of biology where it's like, well, why is it all about the women? Okay, it's not, well, it's about the feminine. It's about the feminine in each of us and how that's an important aspect to appreciate within yourself. But one of the other, so if I may ask very quickly, Mara, are you speaking to this idea of expanding past the, the principalities of materialism? Yeah, basically. Right, you know, right. That there are a lot of philosophical concepts that I have appreciated as just like thematically so true. And somatic awareness is something that is subliminal also that a lot of people, like it's subliminal in the sense that most people aren't consciously aware of it. They kind of engage with it, but they don't necessarily give much credence to that language. So somatic awareness is all about the language of the body uh, as a mechanism of, of dialect for us. 
instead of just spoken auditory language that is more consciously oriented, right? So like when you walk into a room, the, the engagement of the environment you were talking about that's subliminal, all right? Your body is the thing that engages with that environment energetically first, subconsciously, that then turns the head, right? From, from a concept of a lot of Middle Eastern traditions, you know, a lot of Middle Eastern women understand that, even in the concept of the of the household, that as like a sort of gender identity role construct of, okay, the man is the head of the household, but who turns the head in the room, right? This is important, okay? Because where the head turns to in the room, where it orients to and where it decides to move toward in the environment is incredibly important to things like survival. And, and, and whether you do well in that environment, whether you put yourself, you know, orient yourself in the environment to a space that is mutually symbiotic for you, which is the ideal for most of us, right? But that these are concepts that, you know, a lot of people don't necessarily integrate across neuroscience, physics, reality, and spiritual belief, right? They're inherently interconnected. These are those subliminal personified messages that were coming through to people in things like scripture, because, you know, at the time, if you had shown, if you had shown someone like, uh, like in the BCs, that image you just showed on the screen, they would be like, huh? So God as universal consciousness had to imbue these sense of personifications into us so that we would be able to egoically engage with an awareness of self within them. But that, you know, that is where the metaphor, um, I think it's, it's called a, 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 an angogony or agogony. It's a really cool word that I found yesterday that has everything to do with that spiritual or metaphysical sense of revelation toward dialectual information, that subliminality is like a part of the Renaissance era where we move from oral tradition to uh, chirographic tradition, where, you know, the person would, uh, someone like Hildegard of Bingen would walk around the room having revelation and orating it while there was someone else who you know, wrote it down or, or put it into chiography, you know, our obsession with writing it down, basically. Um, but to speak to another concept of the dialectual arrangement of understanding that it's subconsciously oriented somewhat incorrectly for a lot of people is this concept of father time, okay? By Einstein's, like, this is not new science. Einstein and many others have very pointedly made us aware of the fact that time is subjective which, you know, we can talk about how that's sort of paradoxically interchangeable as far as whether or not the masculine or the feminine is more subjective and that they both kind of inherently have those natures in each other. Because, um, you know, as an example, from the biblical perspective, Christ as the masculine conscious material was subject to wisdom, Sophia, which was feminine. And, and like there's paradox and, and like flip and forth and like back and forth to that. But that from the concept of time, from a more subliminal and abstract awareness of that interconnectedness to like some of the imagery you showed, okay? If time is more so feminine, it's like, you can kind of think of it like the ocean, right? So that the fourth awareness that I would add to that third awareness you just talked about is, okay, now people are seeing themselves as time, right? What about that fourth aspect where, you know, let's say, let's, let's, allegorize it to the ocean. If you've ever been in the ocean, there's this point of perspective that you can have where you are feeling yourself in the ocean. And then you can choose to have a point of perspective that flips it and says, well, what do I feel like to the ocean? Not what does the ocean feel like to me? So if you take that and apply it metaphorically to the concept of time as a field or medium of experience for us energetically, okay, I am time, but I can also be an observation of myself as, as time, as the ocean of time, right? This is very similar to how the understanding of ego identity and self work at a psychological level in introspectively or at an intrapersonal level for us, where there's almost this new awareness that you can create what many would kind of see as split personality but it's not really split personality in that you have ego identity that is persona and personality, and then you have self 
that is the unbiased and impartial conscious observer of self within reality. Can I, if I may ask, would you, I would love your take on this. What you just said there, could you, could you, or would you, as, as Myra, would you correlate this to either the Jungian archetypes or Hegel's dialectic? Uh, I, I don't know how, let's not dualism it. I'm sure it can be both. Sure. Right? There's a subliminal, right. both. what was it for you that came to mind as far as either of them? This I well when you had brought up this concept or proposal of split personalities and and what you expanded on from there I'm in absolute full agreement in that regard because this I this also to me speaks to uh, at least personally the idea of asymmetry the adaption of uh, to some say material environment but then if we were to bring that back and ask ourselves internally is there are there emotional environments that are not physically observable but within the fluid or the plenum or the permeability of time is there something that could be interacted with that would enable someone and again not just with split personalities but perhaps even with uh uh autism asperger's you name it and i'm not okay, trying we to can talk about how the word disorder is attached to the end of all of those right. and actual subconscious orientation in a super unfair way because what you believe something is is how we'll express this is the same at a most basic level this yeah. is the same that can be said for emotions for people right so this is one of the this is one of the scriptural conscious over masculine aspects that's done damage to the psyche and and to the feminine within each of us as an experience of reality which is a lot of them made an enemy of emotion okay emotion is energy in motion that everything is built of emotion we we live in an emotional plane right but that from a subconscious orientation standpoint if your belief is genetically inborn and then reintegrated and and re-solidified in a lifetime let's say because you continue to follow that understanding of scripture in, in any direction that like anger is unvirtuous or bad that means that that emotion it doesn't mean that that emotion won't exist it means that that emotion will exist in a way that expresses unhealthily disorderously in the way that you believe that emotion exists and on top of that you'll have an ego dissonance to that emotion within yourself so this is where a lot of emotional fractures come come from. For and people. then perhaps even project that dissonance outwards in, in a way of oh. trying. Right. Yeah. Yep. Onto so, different healed, unhealed versions of you that are also just mirrors to you that are also attempting to bring this up in a way that you can rationalize and understand. It's fascinating. That looks like it's against you. But until you get the awareness, it's for you. Well, it's, things... it's about like asking yourself, okay, you know, I do this with clients all the time. It, one of the first things I ask them when we're like starting to work together is, are there any emotions you would define as bad? Mm -hmm. A lot of people are like, well, sadness is bad. Anger is bad. Uh, you know, uh etc cetera, etc cetera. like there, there are a couple i'm but... so sorry if i could just add to my what you're saying when this perception of of say emotion is bad if we stick with that for a moment could we argue that that in in, in combination of a bunch of different variables with respects to linguistic uh interpretation physical interpretation all of that uh we could say for example what is being perceived as quote-unquote bad is just the top layer of that markovian bl or markovian blanket so to speak and then there are other sub layers that are even more powerful in the sense of not just overcoming, but being able to hone and control such energy so that they're on the surface no longer perceived as bad. And that would be something that I'd say, Brandon, to your point of self-awareness. Yeah, it's like a homing beacon. I love right. that because the, the Markov blanket is like a homing beacon. It's like, hey, go this way. Now, those layers that you described provide points of adventure along the way, which is the journey and destination, which it takes time to enjoy the duration and change of, which is the experience itself, right? So to say that there's a feeling that you're called towards, and perhaps this is that 55% you're talking about, to where it's the, again, a homing beacon. You don't know what's on the other side of it, but you know by pinging your way through the layers, as you said, that are all connected in a certain Mobius-type pattern, which is fascinating, then you can you can work your way to that as an intuitive sort of guiding call. That's, that's, your, that's your homing beacon. So... Also, just real quick, something that you said, Mira, because I'm losing my shit over here about this, is this introspection of time and how the ocean feels as our impact in it. Now, to the same thing as how you said we do this with time, one way is with this integration of older selves or shadow work healing, right? Because we bring other impacts of our time made by us at a different state of awareness to our current moment and feel the impact in this time of what our overall time has been impacted by that time. 
it's fascinating. That's that moment of you, that five-year-old unworthiness moment of you that you go sit with for a minute is you in the ocean. That's the ocean holding that moment of you. It's because that is us experiencing the effect we have on time is the times that we've had that affect where we are now. Absolutely fascinating. Like it blew my mind with this concept. Well, and so this is what Jung would have referred to as the addition of the feminine fourth. The feminine fourth is that awareness where you hold a space of, okay, this is what I feel like in time. This is what I feel like in, this is what I feel like in time to time. Yes. Right? Yes. Like the, and being open to the fact that that is a subconscious intellect that will allow you a space of access to that information as opposed to like, don't, don't try to grasp at it. Right. Like a lot of people are going to be like, Oh, what does it feel like? No, just think about how you would like to feel it and let it happen is what I would say. But one of the, you know, from that point of context about what you were saying about past selves uh, becoming available again to us, one of the ones that I have noticed that's been incredibly revelatory to me recently, especially when I'm working with myself or clients, is that there seems to be a lot of folks like adolescent rebel returning to us right now for integration. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things I realized about the rebel is that it's not actually the rebel coming back to us to be re reintegrated. It's our intuition. But the problem is that our intuition as adolescents was called what? By false exterior authorities. Bad. The, re the rebel, yeah. right? And so just like, sorry, just, just like- a, just... It's actually rebellious. It's yeah. just that it didn't do what the false exterior authority wanted of us or thought was best for us. And so we, we as individuals, oftentimes in adolescence, defined our intuition our feminine aspect as what it was being perceived as by, by the parent, right? Which is kind of in line in the understanding of, okay, my intuition is something that you are offended by, it's not offensive. But that for most parents, it was offensive because it made them question their, their own ego or their own identity and self-worth because the child wanted to do something different than what the parent thought was beneficial, basically. But that, that, is, that is something that's coming up to the surface as a shadow integration for most of us where it became, it became a disorderous or, or unhealthy uh, ego identity construct of rebel because it was defined that way by parent or by authority. And our integration or acceptance of that exterior belief about what it is then got it to express that way for a lot of us. And just like it, a physical muscle, it, it has because it hasn't been trained, let alone even acknowledged by many or by most, if you don't train the muscle, it's not going to be in proportion to, proportional strength to the other ones that are being trained. Dude, and this idea, a great quote came across recently, uh, widely disseminated misinformation is information until discredited. That's Sir John Anthony West. I would Do agree with that strongly. I, I would agree very strongly that it doesn't, the, and I say this carefully, in a material regard, it doesn't matter if it's real or fake. It just matters to the extent in which X amount of people believe in it. And then yes. by the by definition of the belief, it becomes real, literally. There have been tests done by certain military groups, very, if I may say very quickly, where they've taken 20 people and have said to them, you know, this use psychological methods just by conversation, linguistically, to Myra's point, of putting them in a room for X amount of days and saying this particular uh, event is going to occur or something, sorry, this particular building has certain events in the building have occurred. The descriptions of the events were negative descriptions saying people were beaten in there, et cetera, et cetera, to get the people to manifest a destruction of the building. And within, I think, two or three weeks of that sort of simmering and rippling, so to speak, the uh, the building was um, was knocked over by, I believe it was a tornado or a hurricane. Holy shit. So, yeah, so this is, this is that. how a yeah. sociopathic Damn, uh, expansion yeah. of the experimentation of Schrodinger's cat. Yes. Something that, like, yes. can we not, like, Schroding, Schrodinger's well, this is... cat as an experiment was bad enough. Like, there is, there is something to be said for the level of sociopathy that's being subliminally, like, Walk rod into people through that kind of uh like psyoptic effort as it like that's not that's like how the nazis experimented on people's minds like we don't need to be so sociopathic about the way that we're testing the limitations of the human mind the more and it's like taking it in a direction that you know shows that yes amazing things can be done but to what avail is it just for the sake of how powerful like 
that how powerful can we prove the mind? If I, I if I so. ran the experiment, I think that's, I think that's accurate. I think you want to, yeah, you want to push it, you want to push it there before you get the balance. You want to know how destructive and careless it can be and how it can be apprehended before it can be utilized for good. Because I would do it for healing. Everything I would well, do, no, it of course, of course. So yeah, well, think about, about that. Destructiveness. That's as a masculine attribute, because destructiveness is actually supposed to be Shakti energy. It's supposed to be feminine energy. This Shiva. goes all the way back to the concept of, okay, is the devil supposed to be a man? Not really. Like from, from that fully deeply rooted subliminal concept, right? And in, in that, you see how the over-masculinized mind testing its availability toward destruction is doing it in a way that's causing more harm than, than healing. There can be, and this is why it should be from guided by the feminine mindset in each of us, by the feminine psyche or, or parts of the psyche as the lead point or maternal nature of, of this sort of effort is that, okay, let's learn how we can be destructive with it in the way that the feminine would be destructive with it, not in the way that the over-masculinized conscious mind would be destructive with it for the sake of like false, false sense of power, right? But do you it, feel... Do you feel that we get the scope of that in those pendulum swings, right? Because it's never 100% either way. It's just a swing in a, in a heavier direction, like a 55%, let's say. And so therefore, we get the most destructive element in the masculine in that time period. That's what that opportunity affords consciousness. But also, we have the balance of how to fix that and how to bring it back to some semblance of unity. But again, we needed to know in this, let's say, Tataria period. I'm just going to put that on it so we can visualize it here. Let's say that there was a time period that was super, oh my god. But there's a destructive feminine in that as well. But that, again, was ticked in the 55% mark. Now, again, it seems that the, with those perspectives, we are armed with the highest possible awareness because we've gone through the scope. I've talked about this in past lives. I think that every uh, – I have a feeling for me that, uh, that I've been through the scope of it, meaning that because I have the heart that I have now and because I have the understanding and empathy and can see things from so many viewpoints, I've been through all those viewpoints, meaning I've been the shittiest lizard turd imaginable if you want to – put that on it, but because we, again, felt the need to say, you know what, let's go from the very bottom and work our way up because that's how we get the whole perspective. That's how you're able to really understand and grasp everything. It's it's undesirable for certain energies, but also those energies that are fueling that, it's super desirable for them. So again, thriving is subjectivity. To some, you said also, Mira, uh, the plants, yes, they do grow down, and I love this metaphor. Something I wanted to add is a time and struggle element to this, this air quote struggle, and I'll always put it like that because that's subjective. Uh, so you you get the plants that grow down, and absolutely. Now, print, plants will grow with the right nutrition and nutrients and all of that, with sunlight and all of that stuff. They'll grow, but they will only thrive if they're in a windy struggle. They go through some storms. They get animals chewing on them and shit like they need struggle to thrive so then that's the difference in characteristic is what the choice between how to spend time here is if you just like to survive again it's it's back to like pilots and passengers as i've said you're the flying this shit and you're here to strive which goes through struggle you're going to need it because that fortifies you that gives you the awareness to be able to thrive it, just as the most destructive ability that we could view in the feminine we've experienced cool now that swung us over to the masculine because it's a juxtaposition in the opposite it's a run so it was what's beautiful about that experience is you get such a horrific experience in the feminine whatever that was that it made us run to the masculine and say holy shit we've just got to get as far away from that as we can a but again <laughs> but again that as an energy not as a an archetype as an archetype not as a uh, gender sorry friendly so heads then up you I, swing I, over a few minutes then you swing yeah. over and then now we're here we're coming out of the part to where we say holy shit from that experience now we get this experience which is equally as horrific in the opposite in in a lot of ways is horrific in the unbalanced which is what we seek but again you have to know the extremes of your environment to know where the walls are and so we've kind of gotten that perspective and now we've swung to a point where we know the capabilities of all therefore we don't need to execute the capabilities like we know what we're capable of we don't need need to be a turd you go through this in your own experience i think i did where you don't need to be a piece of shit, you know what I mean? You go through it to just know that you don't need to be it. You have this, again, 55% in your, in your heart that says, look, I'm really more this in a heart-centered way, and you go against that until you go, you know what, this is, this is right, this is balanced, this is harmonious. But not knowing either and just kind of seeing it from a philosophical, it's great, but I think the reason we can see it from a philosophical is because we've had in our DNA, somewhere in our code, the experience of it and we see a more balanced perspective at a huge huge fucking level
Could which I just this conversation Myra the, only expands on. I'd love to give Myra the last word in about three, four minutes. I'm going to have to to end it. I think it's a great, unbelievable. End it off. So, so, so many more Myra, to talk about. You have the final word. Well, we'll hit on a couple of things. Never final. We'll do this again. I promise you that. Uh, but you know, I think one of the rooted aspects of what's become an issue with false authority is kind of a root awareness of narcissistic tendencies. And this can be said for even the egoisms of what are falsely perceived empathies for people, uh, where they actually just have a transference bias of self into another, like that whole concept of putting yourself in another's shoes and, and, and thinking about how they feel. But most people put themselves in that person's shoes and think about how they would feel in those shoes. Okay. This is, this is sort of the rootedness of the orientation toward, toward unhealthy or narcissistic tendencies within egoism that from the point of context that you're giving, Brandon, I think was sort of the root of some of these uh, manifestations of, of bad mother that came about from the scriptural ages where there were men, there was like one or two men who experienced bad mom and narcissistically and biasly trans, had transference or projection of, if my experience of mom was bad, then all experience of mom must've been bad and then trying to force that view on others. Now, what's interesting about that is that they probably were with a maternal entity that was biologically female, but that was inherently acting in a more, more masculine aspect from a psyche perspective, right? So that there became this misinterpretation of, well, the biological female became over-masculinized and it got misinterpreted as, the feminine being the bad as opposed because of the biology as opposed to just an understanding that biological female became over masculinized then it became archetypal bad mother instead of archetypal great mother that uh that is talked about in uh i think eric schumann's books about child psychology especially uh and, and our experience of mother but that from that narcissistic point of false authority okay they usually had like some authoritative bad mother that then manifested and expressed to them as like I gotta make sure everyone knows that mom is bad because if my mom was bad everyone's mom must have been bad right and, and we see this even in the modern age but something I wanted to speak to very specifically that had to do with what you were talking about Brandon and the the concepts of the roots bearing down into substrate is that if we're looking at time as a medium of experience as a substrate right there are different substrates of time for each of us and, and we I think have all made pretty probably subconscious intellectual choices as spiritual entities to experience particular substrates of time in this lifetime, right? If you're going to make roots in this lifetime, you know, maybe you are more of a succulent as time. We'll, we'll, we'll make it a little bit of a silly metaphor, right? But that, you know, certain types of plants are going to be doing better in certain types of substrate, meaning certain types and experience of time. For some, that might mean, okay, there are plants that do best in substrates that are really hard because it invites them to really push through right? And, and act more penetrating. So like areas of the world where people are more hardened to the aspect or understanding of this is the way it is in permanence, because I'm more comfortable with that, are individuals who for the awakening have chosen, you know, they're that plant that's really good at breaking through that super rock hard, uh, less nourishing substrate, right? And, and basically you're surrounded by you know, that probably a lot of the good old boys type of environments, right? Those, like, those are the, those are the people that so chose that substrate of time or that medium of time to experience because they know that their roots are going to be able to penetrate best or, or make roots and, and change that sort of mycelium network best as compared to others. Very well said. If I want, I'm so sorry. I do have to, my person, yeah, I do have to get going and I do have to, uh, to, to cap this. To the <laughs> right. Yes. This is, <laughs> I'm going to put this on my end, at least as part one. So um, before we do go, Myra, please. And of course, Brandon as well, if you could tell my audience where and how you could be found. Uh, so you can find me online at uh, my, my wellness practice website, www.moonandrune.com. Uh, there's all sorts of information there that uh, kind of goes into some of these concepts just to help open people's minds. But there's also information there about uh, my, my services for guided wellness sessions, as well as uh, business and organizational uh, consultation services that are spiritually integrative. And you can also find me on Instagram at Mira Taylor Wellness, uh, my personal Instagram, or at my business Instagram at Moon and Rune Wellness. 
And Brandon, of course. Dude, outstanding as always. Again, this this has that nomenclature of intellectual troublemakers for that reason. And yes, and Dave, uh, I know you need to go. I'm going to leave you with one quick thing. There's a guy named Asher that writes me. And again, you can find me at expandingrealitypodcast.com. Uh, Dave, you're going to be linked on all the ways to find us, but I'm going to let you close with this. But I want to leave you guys with this thought and something interesting to ponder on top of all of this. This guy, Asher, writes me all the time. He's incredible. Think of this when it comes to the way that we use our minds. Okay. He wrote, Bigfoot is our perfected right hemisphere humanoid, fully connected to their heart-centered abilities, under unhindered by left hemisphere linear processing, giving them access to their ability to phase, shift, bilocate, teleport, grow big and strong, but equally limited to the bounds of purely right hemisphere nature with limited externalized technologies. Now, this is a fascinating concept to think of entities completely operating from one or the other hemispheres of the brain. Or limited perception of external tech cap capabilizations. Which leads me to the thought that we can go into a dimension, let's say, or a state of mind, which is really the same thing, to where we were, where there's no belief in limited physical abilities, meaning we can fly, we can teleport, we can do all of these things just simply by removing our awareness at one point that there was limitation in that area. Got I love it. you all. Thank you. As a sensory organ. Yeah. Oh, I'm working on it. Yeah. This is this is ether ether antenna here, dude. We're yeah, rolling it. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you hey, so thank much you to so the much. both of you. you and um, we're we're gonna. I'm actually just to let you both know, I'm gonna end this uh, as I end the recording, just because I have to jump on another call. But thank we you so you. much, and we'll catch all uh, to the audience, and we'll catch all of you very very soon. Thank you. Love y'all.